0: Hold your when you die. Hey there, I'm Kaylin Daly, and you're listening to Listen Up, a podcast series that shows you how to get more out of the music you love. A special note for our listeners. If you haven't listened to episode six about form yet, I'd recommend you do so before listening to this one. Okay, so on today's episode, we're looking at apples and oranges. Or maybe it's just fruit. What we're really doing is continuing our talk about the musical element of form by focusing on a type of musical form called variation. Mangoes and bananas and papayas are all fruit, and there are similarities and differences between each of them. They all have seeds and outer covers that we don't eat, but they also taste totally different from one another. This is the same with musical variations. There are similarities that allow our brains to identify them as similar, but there are also differences that make them distinct. There are three basic ways that we can use the term variation when talking about music. The first is called theme and variation, in a piece of music with theme and variation form, you'll hear a main melody and then it will be replayed in a bunch of different ways, also known as, you guessed it, variations. The main melody is usually pretty simple and straightforward, as this allows for the most amount of variables in each variation. For example, listen to this piece that Mozart wrote in the 1780s. It's called A vous dire je and the theme should be pretty familiar to your ears. That was the main theme of the piece, but if you keep listening, Mozart will change that main theme in 12 different variations, and he does it by using all of the other elements that we've explored so far in this podcast series, like melody and meter and harmony. Let's take a listen to some of these variations, starting with variation number three. In this variation, Mozart changes the beat subdivision to make the music sound compound, and each beat in the melody is divided into three, not two. And in the fifth variation, he changes the rhythm. In the eighth variation, he changes the key and makes it sound minor and sad, and also changes the actual texture of the piece to a polyphonic one. You'll hear that there are many different musical lines entering one by one. In the 11th variation, Mozart changes the tempo and marks it adagio, meaning slowly. And in the last variation, he changes the meter by adding an extra beat into each measure. Now there are three beats in each bar instead of two. and Variations is a really exciting form found in music that always keeps you guessing what will come next. Lots of famous classical music composers have tried their hands at them, including Beethoven and Haydn. The second way that we talk about variation in music is actually a much smaller way to think about it than a whole big formal form. This second type of variation is made up of changes to the very tiniest of all building blocks in music called a motive. I'm betting that the most famous of all motives in the entire history of classical music is this one. You've probably heard that motive before. As the music progresses, Beethoven plays with the motive and makes little variations. The first variation keeps the same rhythm, but changes the notes. Listen to how Beethoven uses the exact same rhythmic pattern, short, 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 long, but moves the first note of that pattern upwards. Then listen to when he has an answer to that. The answer will have four notes, but the third short note, and the long note will move upwards, not downwards, like in the original motive. The idea of tweaking a small motive to change a longer line of music is really important in music. We'll actually be focusing a lot more on it in our next episode. The last way that we can talk about the term variation in music has to do less with shifting specific musical elements and more to do with the overall sound and character of music. For example, listen to this recording of Frédéric Chopin's Prelude in E minor, how he originally wrote it. But now I'm going to play a completely different variation on that original music, by jazz saxophonist Jerry Mulligan. In this type of variation, the melody is the same and the notes on the paper are written the same way, but the style of it is completely different. Let's take a look at what, exactly, was varied. First, the rhythm changed from a straightforward one to a bossa nova beat. The tempo also changed, from a slower one in the original, marked Largo, to a pretty upbeat speed. But another huge difference is the instrumentation, from only the piano playing to a small jazz combo featuring a tenor sax with the melody. This changes an element of music called timbre, which means tone color. Just like how visual artists alter which colors they use in paintings to play with our emotions, composers and songwriters do the same thing. We might say that the piano in the original version of the Chopin prelude sounds a bit brighter than the darker, richer tone of the tenor sax. In pop music, singers and songwriters have been doing variations of originals since the beginning of the genre. Except, instead of calling them variations, they usually use the term cover. The term cover is a bit partial to pop music. If Miley Cyrus sang a Nirvana song and literally changed nothing, the press would still say that she covered the song. But if the New York Philharmonic and the New Haven Symphony Orchestra each played the same symphony, nobody would say that either one of them covered that piece of music. People would just say that they each performed it. A few years ago, Rolling Stone magazine polled its readers about what they considered the best rock cover of all time. Without question, the leader in the poll was Jimi Hendrix's cover of Bob Dylan's All Along the Watchtower. Let's take a quick listen to Bob Dylan's original. There must be some way out of here Said the Joker to the thief There's too much confusion I can't get no relief And let's hear Jimmy's cover. There must be some kind of way out of here Say the joker to the thief There's too much confusion I can't Let's figure out the musical differences between these two versions. The most obvious distinction is the use of electric instruments, as opposed to acoustic ones. Bob's choice of solo instrument is the harmonica, while Jimmy's is the electric guitar. The tempo is also different. Bob's version comes in at about 126 beats per minute, while Jimmy's is slower at about 116. But let's also not forget to talk about the other qualities that come into play with Jimmy's variation. His vocal quality is a lot less nasal and gravelly than Bob's is, and is also delivered more smoothly in terms of rhythm. To me, it seems more sung, and Bob's seems more spoken. One of the most interesting things about Jimmy's cover is how Bob reacted to it. The cover was released only six months after the original. After hearing it, Bob said, Jimmy could find things inside a song and vigorously develop them. He found things that other people wouldn't think of finding in there, he probably improved upon it by the spaces he was using. I took license with a song from his version, actually, and continued to do it to this day. With that quote, Bob sort of says that Jimmy's version seemed to capture the essence of his thoughts better than he himself could deliver them. How fascinating that with some tweaks to basic musical elements, a whole better version was created. Thanks for joining us on this episode as we discover new variations of old things, Join us next time as we talk about the greatest breakup of all time, Adele and Mozart. There's a fire starting in my heart. Listen Up is produced by Nelson Vandenberg and Katie Russo and presented by the New Haven Symphony Orchestra in partnership with the University of New Haven and WNHU 88.7 FM. For more, visit newhavensymphony.org.